Hello and welcome to Overdrive, a program that takes an expansive look at the world of cars and transport. I'm David Brown, and in this program we look at news stories from around the world, including Tata in India, to rename its Zika hatchback after the outbreak of the dangerous Zika virus. We discuss travelling on holidays with four people in a little Hyundai i20. How good was the car and what are some tips for travelling with limited space? And we road test the Skoda Fabia station wagon, a little car that is at the bottom of the sales charts but deserves a lot better. And in our panel discussion with Brian Smith and Errol Smith, we take a light-hearted look at stories including what we would like to see in 2016 in the car industry, but it is unlikely to happen. Have a question or a comment, send it to overdrive at drivenmedia.com.au. Now to start the program, let's have the news. The name of cars can cause considerable problems when they relate to other things in the world. The Indian Tata company has decided to rename its soon-to-be-launched hatchback, which was called the Zika, spelt Z-I-C-A, short for Zippy Car. Unfortunately, the Zika, spelt Z-I-K-A, mosquito-borne virus, is now world news, which has been declared an international health emergency. The World Health Organisation has said Zika is spreading explosively and could infect as many as 4 million people in the Americas. The car now has been shown at the New Delhi Motor Show. India's fifth biggest car maker, which owns the Jaguar and Land Rover brands, has struggled to dispel perceptions of cheapness since releasing its nano cars seven years ago, costing under $3,000. For many years, some Mercedes cars had a speed limiter device, which would not allow a car to go over a set speed unless you press the accelerator all the way to the floor. Now a new film from European Transport Safety Council sets out the case for making intelligent speed assistance a standard feature on all new vehicles in Europe. Intelligent speed assistance uses radar and cameras to make sure a car does not go over a certain speed. A major study for the Commission, published last year by consultants TRL, found that intelligent speed assistance is one of several new vehicle technologies that are now suitable for mandatory fitting on new cars, as they are feasible in terms of the technology required, already available on the market, and offer a positive benefit-cost ratio. The German state of Baden-Württemberg, home of Daimler and Porsche, has announced plans to trial a 120km speed limit on sections of the A81 and A96 motorways. The four-year trial, set to begin in May, aims to assess the impact on collisions and noise. The move has put the State Transport Minister at loggerheads with the Federal Transport Minister, who sees motorway speed limits as a federal responsibility. The European Transport Safety Council's German member has said that deaths are 25% higher on stretches of German motorways that have no speed limits compared to those with limits. The taxi service Uber has announced it is trialling technology to track the speed, acceleration and braking of its drivers using smartphone sensors. 
The company describes the process as designed to help verify complaints from passengers of poor driving, but says it has broader plans to ensure drivers maintain appropriate speeds and are not distracted. The US-based company announced in November that it would create a permanent global safety advisory board to oversee the safety and personal security issues related to the service. The European Transport Safety Council will launch a new report later this year which is expected to look at the broad range of safety issues affecting traditional taxis as well as services such as Uber. These include vehicle safety, driver training, fatigue, distraction, drink driving and the potential benefits of technology such as telematic systems and alcohol interlocks. Vehicles equipped with automatic braking or front collision warning are less likely to cause a rear-end crash, according to a study released by the insurance industry. The Insurance Institute for Highway Safety says automatic braking, which can bring the car to a stop if it senses an imminent collision, can reduce rear-end crashes by 40%. Front collision warning, which warns the driver but doesn't brake, cuts the risk of a rear-end crash by 23%. The Institute said that if all vehicles were equipped with systems that worked as well as the ones studied, there would have been 700,000 fewer rear-end crashes in 2013 alone. 40% of vehicles sold in the US currently offer automatic braking, while 61% offer forward collision warning, the Institute says. The Belgian automotive engineer and entrepreneur Guido de Mari has come to Australia to hold discussions on whether he might use the Holden plant in Elizabeth to build cars after Holden stops manufacturing in 2017. Damari's career as an entrepreneur covers multiple industries specialising in rescuing businesses in financial strife or earmarked foreclosure. Federal Industry Minister Christopher Pine told ABC he met with Mr Damari about his proposal. I have engaged closely with him and with General Motors and given him a letter of support from the Commonwealth Government indicating we will do what we can to help him realise his goal, Mr Pine said. It has been reported that Damari intends continuing to manufacture large rear-wheel drive cars in Australia as premium and local export products based on the current Commodore platform. And that has been the news. I recently travelled a bit in Europe with a party of four. We drove a good part of the way. Now, my brother-in-law, who's one of the team, is an aficionado of old Jaguars, and this was very helpful. We didn't drive old Jaguars, we drive modern cars. But the reason is that Jaguars generally have small boots, and so you have to become an expert in packing bags into tight spaces. Of course, in Europe, the trend is to smaller cars, when in Spain we had a Hyundai i20. But while we need to be judicious in what we collected and how we packed it, it still proved to be a great little car, well suited to our needs. Now, independent motoring writer Brent Davidson has travelled widely. He knows about small Hyundais and about travelling in foreign climes. He joins us on the line now. Brent... It's certainly a case where if you're travelling anywhere, you've really got to be careful about how much junk you collect. 
Oh, David, David, David. Let me say that the whole deal with packing cars can send me into fits of apoplexy mm. because you just happen to find every time you go to pack for a big trip that the boot of the car was designed by someone who had no idea about the shape of your luggage or how much you were going to carry. Yeah. I had a mate I used to rally with, still is a mate. Um, well, I call him a mate. Whether he still likes me might be another issue. We used to rally with it, and he used to repack. He had an old Monaro. He used to use a service car. He used to repack and pack it all in, and I'd, I'd throw it all in and say, yeah, that'll do. And he said, well, no, if we repack it, we might be able to get a little bit more in, and then we can take some other stuff. I had to give uh, the sort of speech at his wedding, and I, I played on this fact enormously, and his wife said to me, Ada, that was a load of crap, wasn't it? They were married for about a year. She came up to me and said, you're dead right. <laughs> well, I, I tell a similar story. I, I, four of us travelled the back blocks of New South Wales in a variety bash car. We had an old 1966 Volvo. So I basically said to everybody, you will pack your clothes for each day in a plastic, a Ziploc plastic bag, and that's all you can bring, that and a small toiletries kit. You can carry a bag no bigger than this to fit in with the two spare tyres, the 20 litres of fuel in jerry cans, a fairly large toolbox. And, and this is the thing you face when you pack. You really have to look at the future. Now, David, we have to back up here a little bit. Now, you're talking about a party of four. You had a Hyundai i20. Mm. Now, Hyundai i20 is, as we know, not exactly the world's largest car. Well, we, we are talking, of course, about the smallest, almost second smallest, perhaps I should say, car category on the market. And the only ones that are smaller are called micro cars. Now, of course, in Europe, as you said, the trend towards small cars... Parking is a difficulty, narrow streets, all those sorts of things. Uh, yeah, to have a big car in Europe is almost counterproductive. Oh, absolutely. And, and I have to say that uh, watching people park in Europe is extremely entertaining. <laughs> um, I remember once in Paris watching someone park a 3.5-metre-long Renault into a space that was 3.4 metres long. And, and I understood exactly at that, that point in time why... French car makers put cheap bumpers on their cars. Of course, they're not going to bring the new the new i20 into Australia. Hyundai has decided to concentrate on the accent. Why is that? The thing we have now is that the new i20 is not built in Korea. It's built in uh, in Eastern Europe, and so the cost of actually getting it here. Uh, manufacturing cost and transport costs landed it would would probably be rating around about the same price as uh, an entry to mid-level i30 the bigger bigger version and so what uh, hyundai in australia has done they've taken the the accent uh, hatchback for five-door hatchback and they've split it into two so you get uh, a 1.4 liter four-cylinder engine at around about the same price as you could have bought the older i24 and now they have a, a bigger 1.6 a quasi hot hatch as the upper level version so you have have one one car coming in around about the 16990 and the other one around about the 21990 it's it's a nice differentiation but it kind of works although the accent is a little bigger than the old i20 Brent, that is always lovely to cover a wide range of topics. I appreciate that greatly. Thank you very much for your time. David, it's always my pleasure. Brent Davidson, the independent motoring reporter. We were talking about the Hyundai i20 and travelling with a group of people.
And if you want to hear more of those travel stories where we particularly talk about how to cope with different personalities when you have four people in a car over an extended period, then go to our website at www.drivenmedia.com.au. And you can listen to a podcast of that particular interview or other interviews or segments from the program. Go to iTunes or your podcast provider or go to our website to get a link. Overdrive. For more information and past programs, go to drivenmedia.com.au. Here's a thought. You're looking to buy a small passenger vehicle, not quite a micro, but smaller than a Corolla. There are 15 models on the market in Australia in the under 25000 price bracket. And based on the 12 months figures of 2015, you could go for the top-selling Mazda 2. We reviewed that and thought it was rather good. Or the Toyota Yaris. Interestingly, the Suzuki Swift and the Hyundai Accent were tied for third place, although the Hyundai is in the ascendancy perhaps now that they are not selling their other car in the class, the i20, which we talked about in this program with Brent. You could go for one of the next best sellers, all solid performers in the Honda Jazz, the Volkswagen Polo or the Kia Rio. In 11th place is the stylish Renault Clio, and in 14th place is the environmentally friendly Toyota Prius C. But in last place is arguably one of the picks of the whole class, the Skoda Fabia. Prices start at $16,000 plus on-road. Now, Errol Smith and I have been driving the spacious station wagon, and he joins us on the line now to discuss it. Errol, i got to say uh, that it's a good car to sit in. I think inside is a good feel. Yeah, I, I really like this. Uh, I unexpectedly like this car, David. It, it was immediately comfortable and easy to drive and the visibility I, I think is probably one of the best in the class and it's rooming and spacious it's actually got quite a few cup holders in it which is a little unusual for the europeans a little garbage bin in the car door cargo nets well i think that's an option so i don't think you've got to order those the model we had we had the station wagon we had the bigger the, the more powerful engine and i think we had the sports pack with it as well you say it was a bit surprising because really on the outside it's perhaps not the most beautiful car. Yeah, it's sort of uh, plain, maybe even dull, you might say. Uh, I wouldn't call it ugly, but it's it's not going to stand out amongst you know the other cars on the road. But I think it's a bit of a surprise package in terms of the the amount of space, especially in the boot and the handling and the uh, and the power. I mean, we, we have the eighty one TSI model. Both models are a 1.2-litre four-cylinder turbocharge, but for the, the model we had, as Errol said, it puts out 88 kilowatts, so they've turned the turbo up a bit. The base model, which only comes in manual, has 66 kilowatts. Not a lot, but then again, it's not a big car, and you're not looking for dragway performance. No, but with the 81 TSI, you get a seven-speed dual-clutch gearbox, hmm. which is pretty unexpected in a, a you know a car that's going for you know 20-odd K. It adds a, a good degree of features. You've got a list of a few things it hasn't got, but I've got to say that it does have, uh, across the range, a number of important things 
Obviously, it has a multifunction steering wheel, roof rails on the wagon, six-speaker surround sound, six-and-a-half-inch screen, air conditioning, of course, heated uh, door mirrors. You know, those things aren't too bad. It also features an autonomous emergency braking system. Yeah. I think that's that's quite a surprise, given it's standard across the, the range. In such a the cheaper end of the market, you don't sort of, sort of expect that kind of thing. No, Volkswagen did it with the Up, um, but uh, they didn't. Uh, they didn't keep selling that. Now Skoda, which of course is part of the Volkswagen conglomerate, is doing it in their car, and they tend to be most of the good features of a Volkswagen, but lesser price, slightly lesser price. They are made, of course, in the Czech Republic. Uh, Skoda has been around since uh, before the 1900s, so it has been around for a long time, but not in Australia. Now, you mentioned wagon space, 505 litres in the back. That's more capacity than a Holden sedan, not than a Holden wagon, but that's pretty darn good for such a little car. Yeah, I mean, this is a tiny car. It's based on the Volkswagen Polo platform. The amount of space you have in the back just just amazed me. I mean, I, I had six bags of shopping, and barely made a dent in the boot. Errol, always good to talk to you. Thank you for your time and skill. No worries, David. And that's the Errol Smith. And we were talking about the Skoda Fabia, which as we had the station wagon version, but it is available in that uh, tiny, not quite tiny, but a pretty small class of car. And Errol and I chat at more length on the Skoda. If you want to hear the longer interview, go to our website at drivenmedia.com.au or to a podcast in which we discuss things like some of the features the car doesn't have, such as a reversing camera, but some of the features that are incredibly good for a vehicle in this class, such as automatic braking when the car detects that there could be an accident ahead. Overdrive, answering your questions across Australia. And here we are again for the second time this year where we are talking with Brian Smith and Errol Smith. G'day, gentlemen. G'day, G'day. Now, some unusual things that come up. I, I was looking at the situation of what might happen in the year 2016 in the world of motoring, and I thought it's all very well to just project on what's happened last year, but what about trying to foresee what would be good to happen and uh, the first thing that came to my mind wouldn't it be just lovely wouldn't it be just great if nissan could produce a good looking car <laughs> it's totally different i know compared to everything they've got even down to the infinity you know we road tested errol you you had a go of it the uh, q80 infinity the other day they got a nissan patrol and made it uglier <laughs> The front has a big bulbous nose that someone said it probably resembles a dugong. There's another trend I'd like to see, the summer nats, to have an environmental theme. I just think that would be a good move and reflect well on, on the industry and be positive for the world. Oh, what about a same-sex marriage theme or feminism for summer nats, David? Mm. It's always kind of been uh, focused at the other end of the spectrum. Sobriety. Are you suggesting, Brian, that there should be an equal number of bikini girls versus, you know, scantily clad men? No, or, I don't think anyone or, uh, needs to wear a bikini. 
Errol, I think they could just uh, encourage some more participation by women as uh, participants rather than objects. Of course, the, the whole show is about cars as objects. So yes, that's <laughs> and co- all that's all fixed on the, fixate on co- the cars as objects then. Another thing I'd like to see is Ford to be able to sell some small cars. They clearly can't do that at the moment, or just about any cars, although they're Ford Ranger. And now their Everest four-wheel drive looks like it might be doing it. It's the bigger cars. And the, the, must, the Mustang has sold out. They've got some great little cars, but it doesn't seem to work. I'd like to see fuel consumption figures that are actually accurate. Mm, especially from a German make. They're funny, David. They've never been accurate, have they? They're, even the whole uh, city cycle, highway cycle thing was, was always a, an amusing fiction. But I think they could end up with some stars like a, your fridge has, you know, to say how environmentally friendly your car is. David, I'd, I'd like to say to see cars being marketed on the practicality and usefulness rather than just the feeling that you get by using it. You've only got to look at all of the car ads out there. It's all about how the car makes you feel rather than yes, how... Yes, to- Toyota being the, the, poster, the poster child for that with, oh, what a feeling. Yes, yeah, it's yes. all about the feels. I think we've got more chance of getting some in that to be environmentally sensitive or uh, uh, less sexist. And I've got to throw another one out there, David. I'd like to see a car ad where the car is not going fast. That's revolutionary thinking. <laughs> Speed. Yeah. Uh, I've got, uh, you know, fantastic advice for the car industry. You know, why not make your car look fast or go fast in the ad? That's a, a good way to sell a car. I wonder they've not thought of it before. You know what I'd like to see? Less headlights. I don't mind the little strips of LEDs or that, but if you look at the Alfa Romeo 4C sports car, it now has normal sort of headlight, but it's then got four medium-sized lights in a little square. They call it a cube sort of thing now. And to my mind, it looks like it's got a disease. <laughs> now, you see them in Le Mans cars. Pockmarks yeah, made pockmark, from LEDs. Yeah. The Lexus has the Nike Swish in... LEDs, and they're, they're okay, I understand that, probably a little over the top, but these sort of four medium ones on both sides, to my mind, makes it look like that. I, I, another trend, I'd like to see a CVT gearbox that feels natural. Okay, yeah, yeah, it doesn't it does feel not, like, a, like, it's like it's slipping. slipping. Yeah, constantly, <laughs> yes. I think I'd like to have a voice-actuated system that works. Is that too much to ask? That's so far, it seems to be, yes. <laughs> Every time you call a bank, you get uh, confirmation of that. Each new model doesn't have to have more horsepower. I'd like to see that. I'd like to see stop classifying Corolla-type cars as being small. Mm-hmm. In our category, mm. we, we call them so. I'd like to see people who only buy an SUV if they're going to use it off-road at some time. And only put those big, chunky tyres on if they actually go off-road. I'd like, you know, you can have a car that automatically parks itself. I'd like one that gets you out of a tight spot. Oh, okay, <laughs> yes. They've only done it one way, haven't they? It's like, let's get you into the spot and leave you there. David, I want to see a Chinese-made car that's popular. Well, you'd have to have a Chinese-made car that's good. Yes, yes. Cut cut before the horse, I guess. I'd like to see the hype fading from Tesla. The hype? Yes. Why would you like to see the hype finish for Tesla? I think Tesla's fantastic. You've just condemned religion. I know. my heart, uh, Errol. I think you're just reinforcing what I'm saying, Brian. I'd like Toyota to make a car that's genuinely exciting and good-looking that hasn't been designed by Subaru. <laughs> and uh, I'd like to see European cars to have reasonable prices given the actual exchange rate. 
rather than the luxury markup they throw on because they can. Mm-hmm. You know, the executives in Germany at Mercedes-Benz refer to Australia as Treasure Island. <laughs> really? Of course, the C-Class over there is basically a, that's an everyday car. And an E-Class can be a taxi, you know, mm. I mean, it's... All right, enough of that. Brian, you have a story. In Texas, they have recently um, put onto the the law books the right to openly carry guns over there, of course, being Texas. uh, There was a long time uh, where they could carry weapons in a concealed way, but now they have a thing called open carry, which means you can just sort of strut around uh, with a gun in a holster on your belt interestingly as part of the rules it's permitted to carry your weapons openly on board public transport so this is metro bus and light rail this was introduced on january the first and it's a little too early to see uh, how things have been happening some concerns have been raised by uh, metro officials and uh, commuters about just how this thing will work so um Apparently, the police chief, Vera Bumpers, great name, says that uh, the light rail and bus operators are being trained not to ask passengers if they have a permit. That's the good way to sweep this whole thing under the, the blanket. But if they notice someone acting suspiciously, they should call Metro Police. I'd like to define acting suspiciously as getting on the bus like Wyatt Earp, you know, with, with a gun on their hip. <laughs> and and uh, the, so while they're actually allowed to openly carry guns on board the buses and trains and within the, the sort of uh, ticketing areas, you won't be able to have your weapons at board meetings of the, the Metro Authority. It's okay for the passengers, <laughs> apparently, but the board members are a little concerned. So, uh, David, I think um, not something I'd ever like to see in this country, people openly carrying a weapon on board your bus. How would you feel if someone got on with a gun in their holster uh, onto your uh, bus or train, particularly if they looked a little edgy. Mm. I'd stand up and give them my seat. <laughs> Get off the bus, David. You wouldn't... Uh... Well, well. in all fairness, you've, got, you've also got to arm the bus driver. Well, yes, yeah, so there's no word about whether the drivers themselves can, um, can also be armed. I, I think their uh, policy is not to arm the drivers there. Gentlemen, as always, thank you very much for your time. Thank, thank you, David. David. Brian Smith and Errol Smith giving a more quirky view on stories to do with motoring and transport. And Brian, Errol and I discuss that subject in a little bit more detail as well as parking issues that become as intense as World War Three, bus stations that play Alvin and the Chimpmunks to annoy the homeless and a drunk driver offering a bribe to an Italian policeman which was considered too small to be corruption. Go to our website at drivenmedia.com.au or podcast the quirky news segment. And this has been Overdrive. My thanks to Errol Smith, Brian Smith, Brent Davidson and Paul Just for their great help during the program. Overdrive can be heard across Australia on the Community Radio Network. I'm David Brown. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 